0: Our New Testament reading is from the Gospel of Mark, as we continue to preach verse by verse through Mark. You can find it in your bulletin. I'll be reading Mark chapter 4, 21 through 34. And he, Jesus, said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seeds on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the other garden plants, and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make a nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. You may be seated. As Pastor Ben mentioned, I am the other pastor here, um, continuing to teach through Mark chapter 4, which is a great joy. And today, in Sunday school, I will be teaching. If you've ever wondered, how do you decide what you do in worship in church? That's what we're going to talk about today, so I think you'll enjoy it if you join us. But today we are coming to give our attention to the Word, to teach the Word, to learn the Word, um, because that is how God communicates with us. So pray with me as we consider the Bible this morning. Heavenly Father, we um, are weak creatures. We are often distant from you. We know we don't know you as well as we should God, we fail to think on your word. We fail to apply it to our lives. But, Lord, we ask that this morning, in your word, you will give us a glimpse of Jesus' kingdom. And that will give us a direction to go. So, Lord, bless us as we faithfully consider your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have a daily frustration in my life that my wife could tell you about. I lose things. I lose things in plain sight. I lose my wallet, my keys, my phone, children, everything. (laughs) And I will look through my bag or on the table I expected them to be on and then declare they are lost. And the greater frustration I have is when my wife or one of my kids goes back to the same place and finds what I was looking for. Now, interestingly, there's actually a psychological term for my problem. It's called inattentional blindness. It's, the, it's describing this reality that when we focus our attention on one thing, we can miss everything else. Uh, this is, of course, why it's dangerous to use your phone while you drive because no matter how obvious the world around you is, if your, your eyes are focused on a little screen, you'll miss what's obvious. Now, in 1999, a group of psychologists ran some tests uh, to, to demonstrate inintentional blindness. Um, it's called the Monkey Business, um, the Monkey Business Experiment. In their experiment, maybe you've seen this video, Participants were instructed to watch a very short video of people wearing black shirts and white shirts playing basketball, and they were told focus and count how many times the players wearing white pass the basketball back and forth. At one point during the video, someone in a gorilla suit walks into the middle of this frame, looks at the camera, beats their chest before walking off screen again. Post viewing, the researchers asked Viewers, one, how many times did the white players pass the basketball, and two, did you notice the gorilla in the video? Um, The more accurate you were at counting the passes, the less likely you were to see the gorilla, and about half of participants did not notice the gorilla at all. So what they were describing is what we focus on determines what we see, what reality we experience. So Christ this morning is trying to direct your attention to his kingdom this morning. Jesus says, my kingdom is present right now. But it wasn't meeting anyone's expectations at the time. It's amazing to think the Son of God was standing in front of people and they didn't know. And Jesus, standing in front of them, still said, I need to teach you to see the kingdom of God. Now, today, Jesus' kingdom is present with you, but it rarely makes the headlines. It rarely catches notice. I mean, if Jesus' kingdom is present, when is it going to start making things better? Right? Eau Claire has had churches for hundreds of years at this point. So is another church meeting in a basement really going to help? Or maybe for you personally, will coming to church do anything for me? Does hearing another sermon do anything for me or for my kids? Maybe you've been to church for a long time. Maybe if Jesus' kingdom was really coming, you of all people should stop struggling with the same sins over and over again. A week ago, I still have the same problems today. What's different? Maybe you're unchurched. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. And every time you try and figure out this God thing, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work out. I mean, is God that unwilling or unable to help me? Hmm. And every day, most of us face problems, frustrations, pain. And so we can ask Does Jesus make any difference? I mean, every day I take one step forward and two steps back. So maybe you are. Maybe you are here looking for where can I find Jesus' love and power today? The good news is like most of the things I lose in the gorilla in the video, Jesus' kingdom is hiding in plain sight. But could you be missing it by focusing on the wrong thing? Could you be missing the gorilla in the middle of the basketball game? Because Jesus, since he died and rose again, his kingdom is in the world. And today, with his parables, he is going to teach exactly what it looks like right now. And you can enter it right now by hearing his word with faith. But you still must wait for his kingdom, because it's not all here right now. And finally, Jesus' kingdom growing gives you a hope you cannot lose. So, if Jesus' hears, looking at him in the flesh we're at risk of missing the kingdom of God, then so are we. Because we easily also misplace our attention or focus. So first, our text shows us that Jesus' kingdom is present, and we must enter it by hearing his message. First, Jesus brings up and explains how he's bringing his kingdom. What is he doing? First, in verses 21 through 22, right, he uses a comparison to a lamp. Then he describes a kind of measuring that happens in his kingdom in 24 and 25. His point is we enter his kingdom by hearing with faith. This is why Jesus only gives one command in our verses this morning. Do you know what it is? It's in verse 24, right? Pay attention to how you hear. Pay attention to how you hear. So first, Jesus describes his ministry like a lamp. And his point is simple. No one called the light a lamp would say they'd done their duty if they hid the light. If I ask you to shine a flashlight for me, you aren't doing me any favors if you shine the light and cover it with your hand. Jesus came in the world to bring the needed light. In our modern world, frankly, light is one of the most taken-for-granted things we have. How easy would it be for me to give this sermon or you to be here if we turned off all the lights in the basement? I mean, are you, or kids, were you, afraid of the dark? Do you need light? It's actually hard for us in our modern world full of artificial light to understand how profoundly the world, how dark the world really is. But today, we actually still need more even artificial light. Recently, I was talking to a retired police officer about self-defense, personal safety, and he said, well, do you know the most important thing you can carry with you for your own safety? And the answer is not a gun, it's not a knife, it's not even a phone, it's a flashlight. Because all human activity is reliant on light. And this is why Jesus uses this analogy— Because in the same way, we are reliant on Jesus and his ministry to show us God and show us the way to him. And light has a proper place because it's meant to illuminate. It's not meant to be hidden. So then Jesus describes, well, who gets to benefit from the light he brings? And that's what he says in 23 and 24. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added. For the one who has, more will be given. And the one who has not even what he has will be taken away. It's interesting. Jesus kind of sounds like he's saying the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Is Jesus a capitalist? Well, maybe kind of, actually. Jesus' ministry is taking place in a culture so different than ours. Everyone in their culture was very religious. Everyone believed in God. I mean, crowds of people were coming to see Jesus see his miracles, but only a small group inside of Israel were following him, right? Everyone who saw his miracles were happy. They're like, well, I'm really happy this guy's here. He's making things better, even if they had no plan to follow him. And all the better if Jesus kicks out the Romans, it'll make it better for me. If our nation becomes more godly and there are lots of miracles happening, even if I don't passionately follow him, this would be a great benefit. And Jesus is saying, that is not how my kingdom works. My kingdom is generous. I give blessing on blessing. You're right. Jesus doesn't just promise to forgive you everything you've ever done that was wrong. He promises to forgive everything you will do that was wrong. And he doesn't stop there. He promises you love. He promises you to be with you wherever you go. He promises you will be an adopted son of God. He promises you can be part of a loved family in the church. He promises to work everything, and I mean everything, for your good. And these blessings will keep stacking up everlastingly. But these blessings are only given to those who respond. Those who don't have Christ, who haven't entered his kingdom by faith won't see any of these blessings. They will be lost eternally. And so while God is generous, ever giving you another gift, another day, those who choose to ride the fence or reject it will become a have-not. Hedging your bets, half measures with Jesus don't work. Simply going to church, participating in the right thing, um, baptism, doing the right things in your life, don't, aren't enough. And waiting to get right with God sometime later will not work either. Jesus' message calls for you to invest boldly, to use another capitalist metaphor. (laughs) Jesus has one instruction. He says to receive the light and invest in the kingdom. That's how we find blessing. And he says the way to do that primarily is listen carefully. Jesus says you enter his kingdom by listening. Light is meant to illuminate, and his message calls for investment. Jesus meant for his message to do this. He meant for it to educate, inform, edify you, like a lamp is meant to give light. In fact, we see the command at the beginning of our text, and at the end of our text, we see the disciples doing exactly what Jesus says we should do with his message. Look at 33 and 34. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without parables, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. If you remember last week, Jesus' disciples were the ones asking him to explain the parables. And here, Jesus explains his teaching. It's fascinating, isn't it? Jesus meant for his words to be explained. Hmm. Even by him, even to the people who heard him in that day. Even in Jesus' day. Because they were meant to be understood. They were meant to be applied. Now, I want to say something to kids, especially if you're over five. You are at an age where God wants you to try and pay attention. And sing along if you can. Now, it's Christmas time, so it's much more likely we will sing songs you can sing to. And because coming to church isn't just important because mom and dad want you to. But because you need to know Jesus. Jesus loves you. And I know you can't understand everything we say. And I know sometimes I talk for a long time. But you can try. But listen to what you can. Try and hear the story. Try and sing the Christmas songs. Because you need to know Jesus' love personally. For all of us, listening in church isn't just enough. If it's light, it's meant to guide you. You need to understand the message. That's a good question, a good thing to ask yourself. Do I understand the basic message of the Bible? Hmm. And so Jesus says we must boldly respond and boldly invest in that message because he's building his kingdom through teaching. Jesus is speaking his word, and those who don't invest their faith and lives in what they hear, even what they hear, even hearing Jesus' own voice will not help them. Again, many people in Jesus' day heard his words without understanding or faith or obedience and do not enter his kingdom. So I want to offer just a little bit of free advice today about what does it mean to listen this way? The early Presbyterian theologians thought this was so important in their instruction for Christians in the shorter catechism, they wrote two questions about how you should listen to God's word. Hmm. Let's read them. Question 89, how is the word effective for our salvation? The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effective means for convincing and converting sinners, building them up in holiness, comfort, through faith to salvation. Question 90, how is the word to be read and heard that it may become effective for our salvation? We must hear the word, listen to this, with diligence, preparation, Prayer, receive it with faith and love, lay it up in our hearts, practice it in our lives so that it may be effective to salvation. There is something in those questions for everyone here. There is so much wisdom there, but I will just pull out a few things about what it might look like for you to further invest in Jesus' message. The first thing I want you to notice is, of course, it says the Bible, God's word, is what God uses to bring us the message of salvation. But it's interesting. He says, but especially the preaching of the word. Hmm. The preaching of the word is especially given to teach us about Christ, to bring us closer to him, and make us more like Christ. However, in our individualistic day, with a Bible on every device, with our own self-directed small group, why do we even need sermons? Hmm. But it's, you can't read the New Testament without knowing we need sermons and preaching. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says it like this. The wisdom of God, right? So the very mind of God, the world did not know through its own wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of preaching to save those who believe. Think about it like this. We all know how you communicate matters, right? There are some things better communicated by text or email, And you're annoyed if a person calls you to tell you something they should have just emailed, right? But we also know there are certain things you should never do over email. Say, a marriage proposal. (laughs) And God, in his wisdom, believes one of the ways you absolutely need to hear the word is through preaching. And of course, this makes sense since Jesus said very clearly he wants his word explained. But of course, investing in God's word doesn't mean just coming to church, hearing me talk. It means responding to the word. Responding to the word by believing it. Giving it our attention so it becomes part of who we are. Practicing it in our lives. It's a whole person response. Mind, feeling, actions. So is hearing God's word a priority for you? Do you seek to apply it to all areas of life? Because this is how you enter the kingdom. Now, Jesus returns to parables so you know what the kingdom is like. Jesus' kingdom is found forming all around them through a message, but they are missing it because it doesn't look like what they expected. So Jesus tells them the parable of the sower, the parable of the growing seed, and the mustard seed to explain his kingdom. First, we can look at the parable of the growing seed. Because it answers an important misunderstanding about the kingdom. And it tells us we must wait for the kingdom. Jesus tells a very simple story, right? The kingdom of God is like growing seed. Once it's introduced to soil, it grows. The farmer goes about his daily life, and the seed grows by itself. And over time, eventually, it will be harvest time. In Jesus' day, This isn't what people thought the kingdom of God would be anything like. They thought once the Messiah came, he would save them through one grand apocalyptic battle. Nothing about life would continue to be the same. They would enter a new supernatural plane of existence. All their enemies would be defeated right away, and they would receive all the blessings at once. So people were very skeptical of Jesus, because he wasn't doing any of that. So Jesus tells this parable to tell them, the kingdom of God is not going to appear all at once. You have to wait to see its power. You just like you have to wait to see a seed come at harvest time. But a harvest will follow. And Jesus, starting his ministry, will certainly lead to God's complete victory. But God is not hurling his kingdom to earth. God plants a seed, now present in the ministry of Jesus, promising a great harvest and judgment coming. Even in our day, Jesus' kingdom is present, but it's not fully grown yet. And so we must learn to wait on the Lord. And this is the hard part. One of the things that makes Jesus' parables hard to understand is he keeps comparing God's kingdom to such ordinary things. And this isn't how we think about power. He said, God's power, my power is like this, a seed growing. It would be easier to understand Jesus' authority and power if he compared it to things like marching armies, heroic deeds. But instead, he uses humble images. Sowing, tilling, harvest. Because God's kingdom is growing alongside your ordinary life. When you become a Christian, you still have an ordinary life. You still have marriage, kids, money questions, careers, and neighbors. Honestly, I think it would almost be easier if when we were saved, we were taken to some kind of more spiritual plane of existence. But that's not how God's power works in our world right now. He works through ordinary lives midst of adversity challenges delays and just the business of life but that's good news too because that means no matter who you are and no matter what you are called to spend your time doing whether that be holding a baby in your arms studying at school working being a pastor god can be just as present and work there but there is a threat to this too It also means there's no part of your ordinary life that's off limits to God. Your relationships, your career, your money, your time, your hobbies are all subject to God and his kingdom. And this is the challenge in the time we live in, to not lose sight of Jesus' kingdom because of our daily concerns, but to see his kingdom coming in our daily lives. Because the kingdom is present, even if it's not all at once. The kingdom will grow. The rest will come when God comes it, when God does it. The parable teaches us, of course, it's God's timing and God brings the kingdom, not us. He doesn't need our help. His kingdom is growing and it will grow. And this is why in our psalm and so many other places in the Bible, the Bible says, wait, be still, wait on the Lord God is giving and giving and growing his kingdom, but not on our timetable. In our own lives, we want solutions fast, and God wants you to learn to wait. The story God is telling is unfinished. The story of God's work in your life is unfinished. And God evidently has a lot more story to tell. It is a good story, but it's unfinished. So there is a lot happening you may not understand until the end, because the end will be a grand surprise. And if God has more story to tell, if he has more kingdom to bring, more growing to do, then in your work, your life, your family, our world, many more things will happen and change. And there will be no quick or obvious solutions to the problems you face, because you need to wait on the Lord for his coming in his time so jesus wants to make sure you don't miss his kingdom because you have to enter it by hearing he wants to make sure you don't miss his kingdom because we're still waiting for it and finally he tells us the parable of the mustard seed to help us understand how we can have hope as his kingdom comes jesus compares the coming of his kingdom like a mustard seed these seeds, I almost brought one, are about one to two millimeters in diameter. And when, if I just held it up to you and said, what is this going to grow into, you would never be able to predict it. We don't know in seed stage what it will become later. But inside of it, it still already has all the power it needs to become the largest of any plant in the garden. So how does the tininess of the seed help us understand Jesus' kingdom? Jesus doesn't want anyone to miss his kingdom because of its small and inconsequential beginnings. Remember, everyone is looking for a promised king, a savior. And honestly, no one was looking for a great king coming as a traveling, teaching rabbi with 12 disciples. And Jesus says, yes, yes, I know this doesn't look like much right now, but it's going to expand. It's going to keep expanding until it blesses people of every race in every corner of the earth. Jesus' kingdom is going to keep expanding until every sphere of life is influenced by it to God's glory. Amen. Yes, the Son of Man must suffer. Yes, the gospel must be preached. Yes, the disciples must suffer at the hands of the Jews. Yes, Jerusalem will be destroyed, but God's promises will be brought. And God's kingdom is not done growing. The prophecy of the mustard seed is not done yet. There are more peoples of the earth to bless with the gospel. There are more parts of the universe and human experience that need to be brought under Jesus' influence. At the beginning, I ask, does Eau Claire really need another church? It wouldn't if there was no more kingdom to come. But there's a lot more to come. So we plant in hope. And we wait to see how Jesus will bring more people to himself. God's kingdom has much more fruit to bear, more sinners to redeem. And Eau Claire still needs to hear this. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and it impacts everything you do everywhere. So come, enter his kingdom now by hearing. Because this is the only certain future you can hope for. Nothing else in life is guaranteed. God will accomplish his saving plan and this can be an enduring source of hope for you. Because in Jesus' kingdom, you have a future promised. A perfect world coming after Jesus finishes saving the world from sin and every effect. But, right now, we're still in the mustard seed. The glorious future is hidden in the ordinary right now. So you might ask, realistically, like they did, can we be really sure we'll get a kingdom like that? Can we be sure God has more work to do here? Can I know God will work when it seems like he isn't active at all? Is there light when it seems like it's dark? Is God near when he feels far away? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is your guarantee. But for Jesus To rise in that victory, what did he have to do first? Die. Just like the seeds had to go in before harvest. But once the seeds were in the soil, God will produce the effects. For Jesus' ultimate power to be shown, he had to die. Because that's the power he came to show, that he had power over death itself. And when Jesus died on the cross, if you looked at that moment, you would say there's no time where God was more absent from the world. No time where it looked like God's promises were going to fail than when his son was dying on a cross like a criminal. No one saw God's power then. But that was the precise moment where God was saving you. That was the precise moment God was showing the greatest love ever known. That was the precise moment Jesus was standing in victory because he would rise again with victory over sin and Satan and death. So you don't have to live wondering, can God redeem someone like me? Can God make this right? We know he can because he can even undo death when he wants to. So there's nowhere God can't save you from. And this is our hope. But we have to wait. There is just a lot more story to tell. But again, remember, the parables weren't just about promising a future. They were talking about the kingdom present now, the kingdom you can enter now. So today, we can enter his kingdom and experience his power. You can experience the power of the resurrection today if you listen to his words with faith. The neuroscientist Yuri Hassan conducted some studies at Princeton on brain activity and communication. In his, sub, in his study, he watched, had his subjects watch an episode of the show, Sherlock. Show doesn't matter. And then describe the show to someone else, doing brain scans while they watched it, while they described it, and while the person heard it. And so they recorded the speaker's brain while they watched the show and the listener as they heard the episode described. And they found something amazing. The listener's brain scan... Hearing the description of the episode had the same neural pathways being lit up as the person when they watched it. They realized they were watching visibly minds sinking. The transmission of thoughts and feelings and memories were visible. In listening, Jesus reproduces his life in you. Jesus can reproduce his life his thoughts, his desires, even his feelings through you, if you listen in faith. Colossians 3.10 puts it this way, So put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, so what you hear, after the image of its creator. That's the good news this morning. Jesus makes himself available to you when you hear by faith. When you focus on Jesus' message of his kingdom, He will bring his kingdom by changing you. You can experience the real power of the resurrection in Jesus' words right now. Waiting, knowing more grace is coming. More good news is coming until salvation is complete. And one day you will no longer just hear him, but you will see him when he returns with his completed kingdom. After he gives you a resurrection just like his. Amen. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this hope we have in Christ. We thank you that it never runs out. God, I pray that right now, Lord, we all have a glimpse of your kingdom. And Lord, as we come to the Lord's table, you will give us a glimpse of the true fellowship we can have with Jesus Christ by faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.